0: Chapter Thirty Two of Certain Personal Matters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Care Bear, Auckland, New Zealand. Certain Personal Matters by H.G. Wells. Chapter Thirty Two. Frankly, I detest this beggar. Eh? yet it is quite generally conceded that Bagarrow is a very well-meaning fellow but the trouble is to understand him to do that i have been at some pains and yet i am still a mere theorist an anthropometric estimate of the man fails to reveal any reason for the distinction of my aversion he is of passable height breadth and density and save for a certain complacency of expression i find no salient objection in his face He has bluish eyes, and a whitish skin, and average coloured hair, none of them distinctly indictable possessions. It's something in his interior and unseen mechanism, I think, that must be wrong, some internal lesion that finds expression in his acts. His mental operations, indeed, were at first as inconceivable to me as a crab's or a cockchafer's. That's where all the trouble came in. For that reason alone. They fascinated me and aggrieved me. From the conditions of our acquaintance, we were colleagues, I had to study him with some thoroughness, observing him under these circumstances and those. I have, by the by, sometimes wondered idly how he would react to alcohol, a fluid he avoids. It would, I am sure, be an entirely novel and remarkable kind of drunk, and I am also certain it would be an offensive one. But i can't imagine it i have no data i could as soon evolve from my inner consciousness an intoxicated giraffe but as i say this interesting experience has hitherto been denied me now my theory of bagarro is this that he has a kind of disease in his ideals some interruption of nutrition that has left them small and emasculate he aims it appears at a state called really nice or the true gentleman the outward and visible signs of which are a conspicuous quietness of costume gloves in all weathers and a tightly rolled umbrella but coupled in some ways with this is a queer smack of the propagandist a kind of dwarfed prophetic passion that is the particular oddness of him He displays a timid yet persistent desire to force this true gentleman of his upon an unwilling world, to make you really nice after his own pattern. I always suspect him of trying to convert me by stealth when I'm not looking. So far as I can see, Bagaro's conception of this true gentleman of his is at best a compromise, mainly holiness, but a tinted kind of holiness goodness in clean cuffs and with something neat in ties he renounces the flesh and the devil willingly enough but he wants to keep up a decent appearance now a stark saint i can find sympathy for i respect your prophet unkempt and a hair-shirt denouncing sin and mundane affairs in general with hoarse passion and a fiery hate i would not go for my holidays with nor make a domestic pet of such a man but i respect him the bagarro's pose is different Bagarrow would call that carrying things to extremes his is an unobtrusive virtue a compromising dissent inaggressive aggressions on sin so i take it and at time he puts it to you in a drawling argument a stream of Bagarrowisms until you have to hurt his feelings. Happily, he is always getting his feelings hurt. Just to stop the flow of him. Life, said Bagarrow, in a moment of expansiveness, is scarcely worth living unless you are doing good to someone. That I take to be the keystone of him. I want to be a good influence upon all the people I meet." i do not think it has ever dawned upon him that he himself is in any way short of perfection and so far as i can see the triumph and end of his good influence is cleanliness of cuff compactness of umbrella and general assimilation to the Bagarrow ideal hear him upon one's social duties this living soul in this world of wonders in moderation said Bagarrow, opening out to questions on that matter social relaxation is desirable and i will even go so far as to admit that i think it well to have at hand some pleasant expedient for entertaining people in passing the time a humorous song or a recitation provided it is in really good taste is harmless enough and sometimes it may even be turned to good account and everyone should try to master some instrument or other the flute perhaps is as convenient as any for the fiddle and piano, you know, are difficult and expensive to learn, and require constant practice. A little leisure main is also a great acquisition for a man. Some may differ from me in that, continued Bagarrow, but I see no harm in it. There are hundreds of perfectly proper and innocent tricks with coins and bits of paper and pieces of string that will make an evening pass most delightfully. One may get quite a little reputation as an entertainer with these things. And it is, pursued Pegaro, quite glowing with liberality, just a little pharisaical to object to card tricks. There are quantities of really quite clever and mathematical things that one may do with a chosen card, dealing the pack into heaps and counting slowly. Of course, it is not for mere pleasuring that I learn these things. It gives anyone with a little tact an opportunity for stopping card playing. When the pack is brought in, and all the party are intent upon gaming you may seize your opportunity and take the card saying let me show you a little trick or have you seen maskelyne's new trick with the cards before any one can object you are displaying your skill to their astonished eyes and in their wonder at your cleverness the objectionable game may be indefinitely postponed yet so set at times as your gambler upon his abominable pursuit says Begaro, that in practice even this ingenious expedient has been known to fail. He tried it once, it seems, in a race track at Kempton Park, and afterwards he had to buy a new hat. That incident, indeed, gives you the very essence of Baggaro, in his insidious attacks on evil. I remember that on another occasion he went out of his way to promise a partially intoxicated man a drink, and, taking him into a public house, ordered two lemon squashes. Drinks! he liked lemon squash himself and he did not like beer and he thought he had only to introduce the poor fallen creature to the delights of temperance to ensure his conversion there and then i think he expected the man to fall upon him crying my benefactor but he did not say my benefactor at any rate though he fell upon him cheerfully enough to avoid the appearance of priggishness which he dreads with some reason he even went so far as to procure a herb tobacco which he smokes with the help of frequent sulphur matches this he recommends to us strongly won't you try it he says with a winning smile just once and he's the only man i ever met who drinks that facetious fluid non-alcoholic beer once he proposed to wean me upon that from my distinctive vice which led indeed to our first rupture i find it delicious he said in pathetic surprise it is one of his most inveterate habits to tell you quietly what he does or would do under the circumstances seeing you at kipling he will propound the proposition that all true literature has a distinct aim his test of literary merit is what good it does to you he is a great lender of books especially of carlyle and ruskin which authors for some absolutely inscrutable reason he considers provocative of bagaroism, and he goes to the county council lectures on dairy work because it encourages others to improve themselves but i have said enough to display him and of bagaro at least as i can well testify it is easy to have more than enough indeed after whole days with him i have gone home to dream of the realisation of his ideals a sort of bagarrow millennium a world of bagarrows all kinds of men falstaffs don quixotes ellen stewarts john the baptists john noxes quilps and benvenuto cellinis all so to speak bagarrowed all with clean cuffs tight umbrellas and temperate ways passing to and fro in a regenerate earth And so he goes on his way through this wonderful universe with his eyes fixed upon two or three secondary things, without the lust or pride of life, without curiosity or adventure, a mere timid missionary of a religion of nicer ways, a quiet setter of a good example. I can assure you, this is no exaggeration, but a portrait. It seems to me that the thing must be pathological, that he and this goodness of his, have exactly the same claim upon Lombroso as, say, the born criminal. He is born good, a congenital good example, a sufferer from entropy of his original sin. The only hope I can see for Bargaro, short of murder, is forcible trepening. He ought to have the seat of his ideas lanced, and all this wash about doing good to people by stealth taken away. It may be, He might prove to be a very decent fellow then, if there was anything left of him, that is. End of chapter thirty two.